Spring training is in the air and there's no better time to experiment and find the right fuel for your personal goals. Whether you're training for a virtual or in-person race, Gatorade Endurance makes it easy for athletes to try out their new products and flavors with the Endurance Formula Hydration we know and love. Use their new store and product locator on GatoradeEndurance.com for a quick fuel pickup at your local Dick's Sporting Goods or a run specialty retailer. Hello and welcome to Habitual Routine. I am Coach Anique Lamar. And I'm Coach Roberto Manje. And I'm Shaquana Bell. We are going to be talking about sustainability today. So Roberto, Shaquana, what sort of sustainability things are you are you putting in your life? Um, yeah, I guess I'll take a, a first swing at it. Uh, I've always been into the environment from before I, I kind of knew I was into the environment, which is kind of it made uh, today's interview really interesting with uh, you know, our, our young interviewee. But um, I, I would say just being mindful of recycling and not buying, you know, too many things that are plastic based, you know, uh, as a father of young kids, we have already taught them to carry around their own little wooden spoons and forks and uh, or cutlery, if you will. And, you know, just being mindful about the our carbon footprint, if you will. I like how you're teaching your your kids young on that. Um, Shaquana, how about you? What uh, what sort of sustainability efforts have you injected in your day to day life? Before the weather the weather started to break a little bit, I was walking more. Um, I'm not a big fan of the train, the bus sometimes, but not really. But most of the time, I walk. And now that the weather's getting a lot nicer, I'm riding my bike. The bike's all ready for me, so I really have no excuse to get out there and start moving and really enjoying the the beautiful weather that's that's coming. Yeah, no, I I am composting, which feels really weird to say, but I'm not in the city that much, and so I have a little backyard now and. I compost. I'm I'm a composter. So this is my new exciting world. If anybody wants to talk about it later after the show, uh, we can get we'll grab beer and talk about composting because it's a new hobby of mine. So um, right. that's a, Anik's next podcast: composting. <laughs> composting with Anik. But I mean, the whole reason we're talking about this is because we're celebrating Earth Day, right? And to celebrate, as so many people are around the world this week, we thought there's no better way to do it than to talk about sustainability and our favorite topic, which is running. In our how segment, Anik and I will discuss what sustainability looks like for runners and races and really how it affects us all. We'll also get a chance to chat with our friend and colleague, NYR's own Ali Criscuolo. Uh, she's a manager of environmental sustainability, and we'll talk to her about the future framework of how we're approaching sustainability as an organization. And in our why segment, I chat with father and son, John and Simon Kane. John is a runner and coach based in NYC. His nine-year-old son, Simon, inspired by his science class, decided to run every day to school to be more environmentally friendly. We'll hear from both on how they use running to make the world a cleaner place. All right, now let's talk how. All right, so Coach Roberto, let's talk how. Uh, you know, I, I feel that runners and sustainability, they're like best friends, right? It makes so much sense to me that runners should have this consciousness about them, about the environment, right? Because the sport occurs out on the trails that we want them to be clean. It's out on the roadways and we want these roads to be 
open and pristine. There's no such thing as a pristine New York City road, but I think it can be pristine enough. And, and the idea is that climate change takes many forms, right? It can be small things like litter, uh, like literally a gum wrapper, and then it can be really big things like uh, these superstorms that destroy coastlines. And we had this happen with Sandy, right? Like our marathon was canceled. And so as runners, we should care about climate change. Uh, it feels big. It feels scary. It feels sort of uh, how can one runner have an impact? But we know collectively we can have a tremendous impact. And so this matters to the world we occupy. It also matters to the running community. And so Coach Roberto and I have come up with a few things uh, that runners should consider about sustainability. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, I, I think uh, literally run or as in running errands um, to or for social events, you know, like, for example, if you need to pick up something at the store uh, or needing to meet a friend in the park, which obviously as the weather keeps warming up, Central Park is going to be the place to be. Um, I would say, you know, maybe run there to avoid transportation emissions. Uh, and you could obviously get in some miles. You don't have to run too, too harsh. You don't arrive there super sweaty, uh, especially in human New York in the summer. But, you know, again, something to think about. Uh, additionally, when it comes to grocery st um, shopping, you know, there are actually these cool, small, reusable um, bags that shrink down to the size of a bracelet or, you know, could fit in your in your hand. Um, and you could run to the store without, you know, needing anything in your hands or without having to take excess bags or and, and additional plastic bags. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how we uh, as runners have these almost dual wardrobes, right? We have like our real life wardrobe and then we have our running wardrobe. Um, and sometimes they're you know, pretty equal in, in terms of how, how many objects and items are in them. So really think about your clothing, you know, uh, donate those running shoes. They can be recycled and be put into tracks and play, uh, like playground rubber mulch that you see um, in New York City. Some of those are made of running shoes. You can also air dry your athletic apparel instead of using, um... oh my gosh, Roberta, what's the word? What do you dry your clothes in? A dryer. Clothing, oh, clothing oh, line. Man. Clothing, oh. clothes, a dryer. That was a brilliant moment on our Play charades. Like, yeah. First word sounds clothing like dryer. your dryer. Uh, yeah, but totally. And, and the funny thing about this is that it's a good sustainability practice. It also helps extend the life of your running clothes. If you do not dry those plastics, those tech fabric, they last longer. And then it's a double impact because then you don't have to replace them. So think about how you can hang up your tech, uh, tech fabric to dry just in the air. You know, I think additionally, when when traveling to to races, there's a way to try to get there in the greenest way possible. And I think just saying that as, as a buzzword, it seems like really, really daunting and, and challenging. But there's actually an am amazing amount of different ways that people could try to offset their carbon footprint. So uh, there's ways you could carpool to races, uh, you could use public transportation. And, and then obviously, if the event is far away, and you need to take a flight, whether it's uh, transcontinental or or internationally, you know, you could purchase carbon offset flights for a few extra dollars. So again, most of the airlines today have um, information about that. So they try to make it as easy as possible to, uh, you know, be green. And one of the things that you can do that has a huge impact is using your voice. Um, and so applying pressure to running organizations like New York Roadrunners, uh, this is your open invitation to give us advice, suggestions, and guidance about what you want to see happen uh, in terms of sustainability efforts. And, and we're excited because, because this, is, this has been on our mind, right? But you know, whether it's us, whether it's a smaller race that you ha have in your neighborhood, um, use that voice.
So to talk about what we are doing at New York Roadrunners, we have brought in our in-house specialist, our teammate, Ali Chris Cuolo, and she is the manager of environmental sustainability. Ali, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here and uh, chat about sustainability. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to have you on. Obviously, uh, it's been over a year since I've seen you at the office. Um, but yeah, going right into it, NYR has developed sustainability pillars. Can you just explain a little bit what these pillars are and how you came up with them? Yeah, for sure. So New York Roadrunners did what's called a materiality analysis. Um, it's a fancy term for basically ranking sustainability issues um, for the organization. So we ranked things like waste, climate change, biodiversity loss, um, according to their importance to the organization and our stakeholders, like our runners, our partners, um, our community members. And from there, we basically realized that the most important sustainability issue areas could be bucketed into three sustainability pillars. So we now have our New York Roadrunner sustainability pillars that are the three C's. So they're climate change and energy, communications, and circularity. Um, and just to go through those briefly, um, climate change and energy, you know, we're really uh, motivated to reduce our environmental impact. And so we want to focus on reducing our contribution to global climate change and working on energy conservation, energy efficiency, and using renewable energy. Um, for the second pillar here, communications, we really want to be an environmental leader. And so that means we really want to inspire our partners, stakeholders, and runners to uh, really commit to sustainability through transparent and effective communications. And last but not least, in terms of circularity, this is kind of a buzzword of the moment. Um, New York Roadrunners really aims to minimize waste by prioritizing reuse, repair, and recycling. Wow, that's uh, a lot. Um, I'm listening to you speak and kind of trying to take down notes, both mentally and, and you know, literally. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. And then, so I understand that we just signed with the UN Sports for Climate Action franchise. Um, I personally, it sounds great, but I don't know what that is. So can you tell us a bit uh, about what that is and what is, how it's going to essentially better our impact on the environment? Yeah, for sure. So we are really excited to have signed on to the UN um, framework convention on climate change, sport for climate action framework. It's a, it's a mouthful um, yeah. back in 2019. Um, but we're actually one of 215 sporting organizations around the world that signed on to this framework. And it's basically pledging to uh, strive towards climate neutrality. So we're not only signatories of this UN framework that are making the pledge to strive towards climate neutrality, but since it's a newer um, framework, we're also part of the working groups that are actually developing the criteria and guidelines for our fellow signatories as well. So it's been an incredible opportunity to be a part of something, um, you know, global that's really new and um, taking a hold of the sporting world. So this um, framework basically has two overarching goals. The first one is to achieve a clear trajectory for the sports community around the world to combat climate change. Um, so we really want to use the sporting world to combat climate change, and that means things like measuring, reducing, and reporting carbon emissions, for example. Um, and then the second goal is to really use the sports world to unite people around the world for climate action. We know a lot of people follow sports, a lot of people follow athletes, people around the world, you know, it's kind of a universal thing. And so using sport for good and for um, elevating climate action is the second goal. And like I said, we're just, um, you know, incredibly excited to be a part of this um, really important movement. 
Yeah, that sounds great. And and I guess, you know, here we are today, but always looking towards the future because that's what sustainability is about. And mm-hmm. with that in mind, just kind of wondering, what does um, our five-year plan look like at NYR? Yeah, for sure. So back in 2019, we worked with a sustainability consultant, Waste Management Sustainability Services, to measure our baseline environmental impact. So what that means is we basically took a snapshot of the year and determined what our environmental footprint is as an organization. So um, that's in terms of all our, of our events throughout the year and races, as well as our three facilities, the run center, warehouse, and our headquarters office, um, and basically use that to inform our five-year plan. So we really gathered the data to understand what our, fi- our environmental footprint is as an organization and develop this five-year plan that really allows for us to embed sustainability into all of our operations and um, you know, make it front of mind while decision-making, um, when and where possible. And it basically includes a bunch of action items over the next five years under those sustainability pillars, the climate change and energy, communications, and circularity to really uh, reduce our environmental footprint over the next five years. And um, you know, we've had a history of incorporating sustainability as an organization in the past, but we're really excited to make this full-on commitment and really work towards it for the next five years. Wow, wonderful. So thanks so much for your time today. You give me a lot to think about. I'm sure it informed a lot of our viewers and it's really great because obviously a lot of our listeners are runners and enjoy running, but we tend to think about this year's marathon or next year's marathon where, you know, me being a, a parent, I think about like, what marathon will my kids be able to run in and what sort of future will they be able to enjoy? So yeah, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And again, thank you so much for taking the time out to meet with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really important to make sure that our um, events and programs can be enjoyed by future generations as, it, as we enjoy them. So thanks again. TCS is committed to investing in sustainability, currently working to reduce their carbon footprint in their roster of sponsored sporting events using digital innovations. For more on how TCS is focusing efforts on sustainability, visit tcs.com backslash corporate dash sustainability. So Jonathan, for those who don't know your son Simon's story, can you share with us what he did and why he did it? Sure. So in the summer of 2019, I guess as we were starting to get ready for, for school for third grade, um, he announced to me that, um, that we drive too much. And he said that in second grade, they had been studying the environment and our impact on the environment in ways that we can have less of a, a carbon footprint. And he said, we shouldn't drive so much. And um, in the past, this related to going to school, like in pre-K, I would push him in a baby jogger. And then he, for kindergarten and first grade, he was on the back of my bike and we would ride to, to school. But for second grade, just because he was bigger and whatever, we were driving to school most days. And he said, no, enough of that. And I said, okay, well, what are we going to do then, buddy? And he said, well, we'll, 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 we'll run to school. And I thought, okay, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll run to school. Um, and I figured, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But we did a little trial run in, um, you know, in August. And my wife and, and Simon and I, we went for a run. We got there. It was fun. And we figured, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it going for a while. And 
sure enough, like he he really he, he enjoyed it, and he and you know it was not the the stimulus that I think a lot of people would have expected. You know, people who know that I coach, that my wife's an athlete. I think people thought there was something else behind it, but it was really just him wanting to to have less of a carbon footprint. And he ran to school. He had perfect attendance. He ran to school all 115 days of, of third grade. Wow. I, I love that before you weren't driving and then the year that you drove, he's like, no, dad, we can't, we can't do this. And I also love that he took what he learned in school and he implemented it into his life. Cause a lot of kids, especially, you know, second graders, they're kind of there in school and they're learning, but it could be more of a social thing. Like they're going to see their friends. That's what's important to them. But he sat there in this science class and he said, oh, no, I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. He came to you. He said, Dad, we got to make a change. And you were like, all right, fine, let's, let's do it. And he, he kept it going. My wife and I have tried very hard to, you know, when possible to, to let him lead the way. And most of the time, you know, no, it can't be, you can't have ice cream for dinner and you, you, know, like <laughs> yes, you do have to do homework. But, you know, like I said, we spent, I spend most of my day telling him what he has to do, what he can't do. So this was something that gave him an opportunity to lead and proved him to him to, to feel heard. Yeah. Um, and, um, so yeah, I was sort of happy to support it. And to be honest with you, I hated driving to school. Like it's, it's a, it's a madhouse. Like everyone's double parked, triple parked. It's, it's oh, yeah. horrible. So like, yeah, it's not like it was a hardship for me, but it you know, I think he appreciated feeling heard. So what was your initial reaction to hearing Simon say that he wanted to, you know, was it bike or was it run to school? This was run. So we had, like I said, for, for kindergarten and first grade, he would be on the, he was on the back of my bike, but I was doing the work and, and, but again, <laughs> at least we were outside. And, and it was fun. It was still great because we would ride through the streets and we would always have a bag full of dog treats. And every time we'd see a dog, we'd stop and we'd pet the dog, we'd give the dog a treat, that kind of thing. Um, so I do think part of it was like, there was a contrast, like second grade suddenly, yeah, we're not petting dogs. We're not doing anything. It's like, so um, I mean, my initial reaction was that, like I said, it was great that he had absorbed something that he learned in second grade. It was great that he was expressing his preferences. Um, but, you know, and look, he's a, he's a stubborn kind of kid and he's a, he's a goal oriented kid. Um, and it, you know, if I, you know, you play the cheap psychological game, you tell him he can't do something, he'll do it. Um, so but I didn't in my wildest dreams expect that he would have perfect attendance and run 115 days in a row. And then I'm going to say, I mean, there was plenty of walking. Some days were fast, some days were slow, whatever, yeah. but like we never drove, you know? And yeah, we still stopped to pet dogs. I mean, we were, this wasn't training. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't trying to get him in shape. This was just being out there. And, but no, I didn't expect, I, I thought the first day it got really cold or it was, or it was raining or something that, He'd say, okay, let's, you know, let's hop in the car now today. And there was one day, a few weeks into it, and I looked out the window and I said, hey, buddy, uh, you know, I don't know if you look, but it's raining. What, what are we going to do about school? And he goes, we're going to get wet, daddy. And Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny. I mean, as a coach, I tell that. I, I still have an email that I got from one of my athletes, you know, probably 15 years ago. It said, dear Coach Kane, what happens if it rains? And I said, we get wet. So, like, 
I was like, wow, he actually hears, like, once in a while when I talk, he listens. And, yeah, we went through, we went in the rain, we went, in, like, down to, like, 15, 16 degrees, we did snowy days, we did hot days, and, you know, and some days were a lot of fun, and some days were just sort of, like, he was mad at me, or I was mad at him, and a lot of times the dog was with us, a lot of times my wife, his mom was with us, and, you know, it, but, and after a while, it, it just sort of grew, and I, I think he, he really enjoyed Look, we all like feeling special, right? And yeah. he noticed that people were noticing him. So, yeah, it was awesome. I love it. So how did your family view sustainability at the time? You know, look, I, I like to think that we're fairly aware um, and sort of, you know, good global citizens. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie and say we were great about stuff. Um, and you know, he has opened our eyes to certain things and we have done better, um, in part because of him and, you know, because it, that would like the, the driving thing was not the only lesson that he learned. So, I mean, we like, we've got a washer dryer in the apartment. That dryer doesn't get used anymore. We hang everything, my, you know, like clothes get hung to dry. Um, you know, we take the elevator sometime, but we take the stairs a lot. Like we do, you know, like all these things that he talked to us about. Um, yeah. so, but at the time, yeah, again, I mean, we're reasonably conscious, but we weren't going to win any prizes. Like, you know, I, I still love that though, because he, he wanted to do one thing and then it grew into multiple things and it made him more aware of what else he could do. Because I think some people, they get overwhelmed when they think about sustainability. They're just, they're, they're like, it's just so much. I don't know if I can do that. But he, even as a kid said, I'm going to start with this one thing. And then he and your entire family, family just started to add more and more and more. So even if it's yeah. not a lot, I think that you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. No, we've gotten better. My wife is now composting and stuff. I mean, she keeps the, we, we live in an apartment up in the Bronx, but like she takes care of the garden and the building. So we've been composting. There's been bags and bags of stuff like out on the, on the balcony all winter. And now she's getting the garden set and you know, I mean, look, she loves doing that stuff. But yeah, you know, I like to think that he's, his awareness has, has caused us to do a better job. Yeah. Yeah. Even his awareness is like opening my eyes. I never thought of myself as someone who was conscious of sustainability. I, I was thinking about other things. Like I, I bought a bike to lose weight and also because the train fare had gone up at the time. And I was just like, how dare you ask me for more money and you're never on time. You're always crowded. I'm going to show you. So I bought a bike. I started riding my bike to and from work. And now that I think about it, that is an act of sustainability. And that's not even what I was going for. You have no idea that the one thing that you're trying to do is actually affecting so many other things and also other people. Look, and realistically, yeah. So Simon, you know, he had that running streak going. And in his mind, it was for environmental reasons. I am absolutely certain that, that like the neighbors and the parents and stuff would see us and think, Oh, so crazy running parents. They're making him do this. And I promise you, we didn't make him do anything. So, but, you know, in, in my mind, it was, hey, here's a kid who's got a lot, a lot of energy and has trouble sitting still. And if he can burn off some steam, he's probably going to do better in school if he's not going to be fidgeting around as much. And so, like, 
again, the same way you're talking about these multifaceted, like these different layers of benefits, like you may have, might have bought the bike for financial reasons, but it benefited you in other ways. And, you know, yeah, with him, like, you know, it, it was probably helped him academically. And again, you know, we've talked so much this year about like with, with the lockdown and everything about kids and social, emotional, you know, yeah. effects of this. And look, I promise you, he was a happier kid from a social emotional point of view, walking into school, having been escorted by usually his mom and dad and his dog and the other kids petting his dog and feeling like, you know, he was getting attention. So it had so many different levels of benefit aside from saving a couple of gallons of gasoline. Yeah. There's, there's always something bigger that we can't see until like we get there. Yeah. All right. I think, I think I'm ready to talk to Simon. So you ready to talk to him? Yeah. All right. Take it away. All right, Simon. So Simon, your, your dad, he told me about your goal to be more sustainable and how you decided to walk to school. You didn't want to drive the car anymore. Can you tell me about why, why you wanted to do that? Because if people keep, um, like polluting the earth, like bad stuff could happen and it could be like, it could be hard to breathe. Like, cause if people pollute earth, like trees will die and we get oxygen from them. And also it's pretty nice walking and running to school. Yeah. Do you, when you get to school, do, do all the kids in your school say, oh my goodness, Simon, I can't believe you, you walked all these days. Can I walk with you? No, mostly, mostly some kids don't, mostly it's just, people just say, he just walks to school. That's what usually happens. Okay. We did that one day that we brought. We we had a, yeah for uh, for Earth Day. We we organized a bigger group and a bunch of kids. We did like almost this Pied Piper thing, right? Where we a bunch of kids we picked up a bunch along the way, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds like fun. So why why was it or why is it important to you to make sure that we save the Earth and that we don't pollute the air? Because I I just want to like be helpful to the earth and I want to be a part of helping because I know some people are working really hard and I want to help too. I like that. But were there any days where you felt like you didn't want to, you didn't want to run to school and maybe, maybe we should get in the car today? Yeah. Oh, I remember this one time I said, dad, it's raining out. I want to go in the car. And then dad said, well, sure, Simon. And I said, Dad, get real. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 I was because again, I didn't want to push him. I was like, "All right, it's over. That's fine." This guy, he's like, "Come on, old man, you're so easy." To <laughs> that was a trick question, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, yeah. <laughs> so what? What kept you going? What? Because your dad said that you had perfect attendance. So what kept you going every day? You never missed school and you never missed a run. I most, I try, mostly tried. Every now and then I went really fast, but I got tired. So we just started jogging. And the um, earliest time we ever 
the quickest time they ever got there was in 16 minutes and 11 seconds. Wow. Wow. So do you have any advice for any other kids who want to either run to school or they want to help the planet? When you're in the back, what you could, um, you could use the, you shouldn't use the dryer. You can just like hang up clothes on racks. You could go downstairs instead of the elevators. You, um, you, when you're taking a bath, you don't have to keep the water going when you're washing. Yeah, these are, these are all really good. I'm going to try some of these. So I know you learned all of this in, in like your science class. Would you say science is your favorite subject? Oh, big time, no. reading okay so do you read a lot about the environment and different ways that you yeah, can help I love how you read in the screens, but sometimes oh. i read about some books like well simon i gotta say I hope that your teachers do hear this because I want them to know that you are the coolest nine-year-old. The coolest. You are doing so good. You're the best, Simon. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you, Simon, and thank you, John. This has been amazing. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. So for season two, as you listeners know, after we discussed the how and the why, uh, we want to make some space to provide some thoughts and, and key takeaways with what really resonated from our guests. And we just want to highlight to the listener what stood out to us. So Shaquana, what resonated with you? At the end of your conversation with Ali, Roberto, you said, what kind of marathon will my kids be able to run and what future will they enjoy? Then Ali said, it's important that our events and programs can be enjoyed by future generations. I thought about Simon and how even at nine years old, he's also considering future generations and not leaving it up to the generations before him. He started walking and running to school. Then the family started composting, taking the stairs, air drying their laundry and conserving water. We do the same with running. We start with one mile and we stay consistent. Then we end up further than our minds even imagined. No matter what the weather was, Simon walked to school because it was bigger than walking for him. It was about the environment. We can all pick one thing. And if there's ever a time we feel like we can't keep it up, we can just tell ourselves, get real. Because Simon and people all over the world have proved to us that it's possible to practice sustainability. What about you, Roberto? Yeah, uh, once again, great interview there with uh, John and Simon. Uh, I share very similar takeaways with you. Uh, you know, once again, listening to to this interviews, and I guess it's just my life in general these days, I, I take everything from the lens of, of being a father. Um, and in this case, it really was struck close to home, you know, um, as in the case with Jonathan and Simon, I just couldn't help to be moved by the interview. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy how both of them showed just how much we as, as adults could influence and impact our children uh, and the next generation in general, but also, you know, plot twist. It showed how we, the adults, could be inspired by the youth. Um, you know, the most famous of these next-gen climate conscious um, or forward-thinking uh, figures is Greta Thunberg, who just said, 
18 years of age is already twice as old as Simon. Uh, but it's great to see that there are other young people out there, you know, already thinking about our future, their future, and, and the future of those yet not born. Um, so once again, it just really hit close to home. Um, and it was just great to learn from our own colleague about how NWAR is striving towards climate neutrality via the recent memberships in the UN Sports for Climate Action franchise. Um, and also, you know, as NYR have the largest marathon in the world and being based in New York, I think it gives NYR a really great and solid platform to use the sporting world to impact climate change and action. So again, just two solid interviews with a very common uh, intersectionality for me. Yeah, I think I was really struck by, you know, Simon's like can-do attitude. Um, you know, as you both said, it's this idea that that youth have really flexible, elastic minds, right? They're not so set in their behaviors. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm 35, but I am in some ways I'm already so set in my behaviors and patterns that it feels hard to disrupt them. And and we see this with training and how how people approach training, runners approach training with sort of an inflexibility of mindset where kids are are just down to play and just want to jump in. Uh, and you see it with sustainability efforts too, right? You're like, I could never do that thing because I already have a routine. And, and kids are like, of course I could run to school. Um, I just want to play. And and there's such a lesson to be learned from having a little bit more of elastic mindset in sustainability and in your training and just really learning from, from kids about how to be uh, – just be flexible and adapt to the literal environment that they're around and the needs of that environment. So thanks so much to Shaquana and Roberto for your takeaways today. Thank you to Gatorade Endurance and TCS for supporting this episode. A huge thanks to Ali, John, and Simon for joining us and breaking down how we can all be more sustainable runners. If you haven't already, please consider leaving a review. It really helps us grow habitual routine. And oh, as always, share this episode with any runner who you think who could learn something from this episode. Thank you to all the participants of our Rising New York Roadrunners Holiday Hoopla Virtual Challenge and the parents, educators, and coaches that are keeping kids active. Join our new virtual challenge, Anna Moves at the Zoo, now through June 30th by visiting nyrr.org youth and check the races and events page. If your kids are ready to return to in-person racing, visit nyrr.org for upcoming locations in the One Mile Series. And thank you as always to our team who helped make this show happen executive producer john phillips and today's show was produced by steve muir and edited and mixed by craig gorbanoff thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon 